We're going to be in a familiar passage tonight. In fact, it's a familiar parable that we'll be looking at. to pay attention to the message and we can start thinking about our plans for after church or later this evening. Another difficulty in looking at parables is that they were told in the context of 2,000 years ago. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, when we read the parables we're looking at tonight, you might be thinking, well, what, what's a Pharisee? I've never met a Pharisee before. Or when Jesus talks about a tax collector, you might be wondering, well, what's wrong with being a tax collector? Everyone pays taxes. Doesn't sound like the worst job in the world. But because of that, I found it helpful to hear parables told in, retold in a modern way. Because again, many who are familiar with the term Pharisee in the Bible know Pharisees were probably bad people. Jesus was constantly criticizing them. But in Jesus' day, Pharisees were known as the good people. Some of the best of the best. In fact, I remember as a child visiting relatives in the San Francisco area, and they, they took us to see one of the early Star Wars movies there. And it was the weirdest thing. Every time a good person appeared on, on the screen, the crowd would cheer. Yay! Every time a bad person would, would appear on the screen, they would boo and hiss. And so Darth Vader appears, and boo, hiss. And Luke Skywalker appears, and, they, and the crowd cheers, and... Uh, it was a really weird experience, but then I was in San Francisco, so. But when the Pharisees would have appeared on the movie screen in Jesus' day, the crowd would have cheered because they were the good guys. They weren't just religious. They were the cream of the crop of religious people. If you had a Bible question, they would know the answer. They probably had most of the Old Testament memorized. If there was a, a religious holiday, they followed the rules to the T. If you were looking for someone to donate to a needy cause, they were the person to go to. They were always at church. They never missed a service. They knew all the songs. If you had a daughter, you might even pray that one day your daughter might marry a Pharisee. And with these challenges in mind, please bear, bear with me as I retell the parable in a modern way, a story that's not original with me. The parable goes like this. Jack and Larry went to church one evening. Jack knew his way around. He had been attending there since he was three years old. He knew his parents would be there, so he made sure he sat up front where they would see him and be proud of him. He wanted to make sure that he sat where they would see him. And so he walked up to the front, sat down, and bowed his head and closed his eyes like he saw his dad do so many times before because he knew it made him look holy. He carried his big Bible wrapped in a nice leather cover which was full of tabs marking each book of the Bible and had highlights of the verses that he had memorized throughout his years in Awana. He knew all of the words to the hymns and songs he had sung for so much of his life and was careful to sing them loudly. You see, Jack took his religion seriously. Unlike his peers, he, he never consumed alcohol, he never smoked or did drugs. He was also very self-righteous about sex. He never messed with, around with his girlfriend, rather, they had intellectual conversations about vegetarianism and the politics of the day. Instead of going to the club, they went to prayer meetings at the youth leader's house. He was the boy that all the parents of the girls at church wished would date their daughter. 
as Jack reflected on his life in those few moments before the service began, he glowed with inward satisfaction. How reassuring it was to know that he was a good Christian. Nothing to confess, nothing to feel ashamed about. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, Jack was in shock. A familiar figure had just entered the church behind him, caught his eye, but, but no, it couldn't be. It's Larry, he thought. What on earth is he doing here? He has no right to come to church, the hypocrite. But if he was able to read Larry's mind, he would have realized that precisely the same thoughts were going through his mind, too. What right, Larry thought, did he have to be in church? He hadn't been in church for years. In fact, he felt thoroughly uncomfortable there. He kept on looking around nervously, waiting for someone in authority to come from behind him and tell him he had no business being there. He was unsure of where to sit or if there was some special ritual he should be doing before he found a place to sit. Didn't Christians cross themselves before they sat down, or was that Muslims who did that? He couldn't remember. In the end, he slid cautiously into the very back row. Oh no, he thought to himself, there's Jack in the front row, and he's seen me sitting here. I'll never live this down in the neighborhood. He crumpled up, sticking his legs beneath the pew and his chest down to his knees, trying, to, trying his best to hide. As you can imagine, Larry was not the most religious sort. In fact, he had a rep reputation for being just the opposite. If there was a problem in the neighborhood with the police, they usually came to his door looking for him. His fingers bore testimony to his use of nicotine and of drugs, and there was even the distinct smell of alcohol on his breath as he had just left the bar a few minutes before coming to church. Why on earth did he come to church? Was it because of the fight that he had had at home that morning, thrown out of his house by his mother because he had been stealing from her purse again? Or was it the sense of humiliation he felt from... His Julie slapping him in the face and telling him with colorful words to get out of her life just because she had discovered, discovered he was also sleeping with Sally. Yes, it was probably both of those things and at the same time, neither of them. Somehow he tried to drown his sorrows at the bar. He was overcome with how dirty he was and what a mess he'd made of things. And suddenly, sitting in the back of the row, guilt and shame brought tears to his eyes, a blush to his cheek, a lump to his throat. Oh, God, he said as he clenched his fist. Oh, God, can you forgive such a bad person as me? I tell you, it was Larry who went home a believer that night, not Jack. If you're not already there, please turn to Luke 18. As we look at the parable Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And as you're turning there, please keep in mind a few things about parables. They're, they're stories told by Jesus in certain situations to certain people in order to make a specific point. The events didn't really happen. They're, it's a story that Jesus created as an illustration. It's helpful to look at the situation in which Jesus told the parable. Who was there? Who he told it to? In order to better understand their parable. And before we dig into the details of this parable, notice who the parable was told to. Remember, parables were told to a specific audience for a specific reason, often comparing and contrasting two different people in order to make a memorable point. Here we're told just two things in verse 9 about the people to whom Jesus told this parable. In verse 9 of Luke 18, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. First of all, we're told that he, this parable was told to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. 
Their confidence in, before God was in the good things that they did, the things that they didn't do, and everything that people saw and thought of them. People, and secondly, we see that it was, it was written and it was told to people who looked down on others and treated them accordingly with contempt. Not only did they think highly of themselves, but they looked down on everyone else and treated them poorly on people who did the bad things that they shouldn't, that should, that, that, uh, they, they shouldn't be doing. And not only did they think poorly of people less religious than them, but they, they treated them poorly as well. But notice how Jesus connects the vertical with the horizontal. He connects the recipient's supposed relationship with God with how they treated others. They didn't have a right relationship with God, and therefore they didn't have a right relationship with people, and they treated them poorly as well. So let's look at that parable told by Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. It reads, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This would have been one of the biggest surprise-ending shockers in Jesus' day. The people listening would have said, what? The bad guy, the tax collector, was the good guy? I almost wish that Luke would have recorded the faces of the people and their reactions as they heard Jesus tell this parable. They, they must have been incredulous, if not even angry. So we see two characters here. The first was a Pharisee. Remember, the Pharisees were Jack. They were the good ones in society. They, they obeyed the rules. They knew the Bible. They had memorized more of it than most. They would have won every Bible quiz every time. They were the religious superheroes, would have probably worn a cape and had an S on their chest. They followed all the religious traditional rules of the day. But notice what the Pharisee did and said he was thankful for. First of all, he said that he was not like the other men. And secondly, we see that he was thankful for what he did. With the Thanksgiving holiday happening this week, let me just make one side note. As, as Christians, we are to be thankful people. We are told over and over in the Psalms and throughout the New Testament to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, it says to give thanks in all circumstances. Colossians 3, 15, we are commanded to be thankful. And Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, gives us the example of being thankful. And Hebrews 12, 28 reminds us again that we should be thankful people. In fact, one of the characteristics of wicked people in the last days is that they will be ungrateful, as recorded in 2 Timothy 3, 2. So Christians should be thankful people, obviously not just at Thanksgiving time, but should be thankful always for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And if you happen to run across people, even in church, who are ungrateful, always complaining about this or that, let me warn you to stay away from them. Not that you can't be friends with this type of people, but realize that you need to be very wary of such people. 
Ingratitude for what God has done and is doing in their life is a characteristic of being lost. And it can spread like poison. See, one of the natural traits of being a Christian is thankfulness for all the good that God has done for us. And if there's one thing that Christians should be known for, it is for being thankful people. Because we, we know of all people, even in the darkest of our days and most difficult, like Paul in prison, we can be thankful because Jesus, of Jesus' great love for us. But we can finish that message another time. But notice again the, the Pharisee's prayer in, in verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee standing by himself, by himself prayed thus. Could also be translated standing, he prayed to himself. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. He had what you might call comparative righteousness. He thought he was a righteous man, thought he had a good standing before God because of what he did and what, pe what he, people saw him not do and not do. He had lists for what he, he didn't do. He was not an extortioner. He was not unjust, not an adulterer, or even like this dirty, rotten, good-for-nothing tax collector. And then he, he lists what he does. He fasts twice a week, which there were, there were holidays which called for fasting and times of personal spiritual efforts where people would fast. But fasting twice a week, as he, as he lists, that's going above and beyond the law. And he was a super faster. And then he says that he gave tithes of all that he possessed. So although Jesus is clearly making his point to the Pharisees of his day, many people today would probably have the same struggle. I know that in many of the conversations I've had with people and that I've heard others tell me as they've shared the gospel with people and asked, asked a question, about what would happen to them when they die. It seems like nine out of ten people say something along the lines of, well, I'm a pretty good person. I've never killed anyone. I don't steal. I'm faithful to my spouse. I do some pretty nice things, too. I even I give to the Salvation Army at Christmas time, and I helped my neighbor last week. See, they have a theology of comparative righteousness, as if when you die, you stand before God, and he gets out a giant scale and and outweighs the, the good and the bad things that you've done throughout your life. And most people think, well, I may not be good as, as that guy over there, but I'm certainly better than, than that guy. And out, outside of understanding God and his communication of the gospel, that seems to be a pretty common way of, of thinking for people today, that we get what we deserve. And people think what we deserve is based on what we do, and what people see me do. But Jesus is turning that idea completely upside down. Now, although we see the first character was a self-righteous Pharisee, we see the second character was a dirty, rotten, good-for-nothing tax collector. Now, in our society, the average person wouldn't think anything wrong with being a tax collector. A government job would have lots of paid holidays, probably, probably pays decent as well, and would have good job security because everyone has to pay taxes. But that is a far cry from what the people in Jesus' day would have said. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were among the worst in society. They were thought of as crooks. They were a collaborator with the enemies, the Romans. In public, people would curse at them and spit at them. As far as 
societal status goes, a tax collector ranked at the bottom, along with harlots, thieves, and the worst of the worst. In that society, the rules were you didn't have to keep promises to three kinds of people, murderers, thieves, or tax collectors. In fact, tax collectors, even though they were Jews, were not allowed to give their offerings in the synagogue. And because of their mistreatment, tax collectors often hated society, and the Jewish society hated them. So when, when we read about Zacchaeus climbing a tree to see Jesus because he was a wee little man, as the children's song goes, it might have been because he was short, or it might have been that he climbed a tree because he wanted to be away from the people because he was fearful that they would beat him up. But know what that terrible, awful tax collector did and said in verse 13. Verse 13 says, But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus was clearly making a comparison between these two men, comparing and comparing their outside and their inside. On the outside, the Pharisee was a 10 out of 10, the best of the best. The tax collector, however, he was a 0 out of 10, the worst of the worst. On the inside, however, the Pharisee, and those hearing the parables were people who thought they were righteous and treated others contempt, with contempt. The Pharisees inside, his heart showed, showed in how he treated others. And it showed he was a big fat zero spiritually before God. The tax collector, on the other hand, what did he do? He, he beat his breast. Not something that we see people doing today, but it was a sign of great intense remorse. His heart revealed in his words asking God to be merciful to him. Be merciful to me could also be understood, please make propitiation for me. Please atone for my sin. Those, uh, the language could be uh, translated that way as well. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. No one had to tell him he was broken. He was sinful and he knew it. And Jesus' shocking conclusion to the parable in verse 14 tells us what he thought of both of these men. Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said that the dirty, rotten tax collector went to his house justified. The same root word that we see translated in verse 9 translated righteous. In other words, the tax collector went home righteous. And Jesus concludes this parable in verse 14. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is a frequent message of Jesus. We see it here in Luke 18. We see it also in Luke 14 at the parable of the wedding feast. We see it in Matthew 23, 12 as well clearly reinforcing his message that what matters to him is what is in our hearts and not what everyone sees. And while I realize that we all struggle with judging ourselves by how we judge others, by what we see them do, we can't look at someone and see their heart. We look at people and we evaluate their life and their actions by what we see, and we evaluate their heart based on that. And we would much rather feel better about ourselves by doing a bunch of nice things for other people. 
But Jesus says what really matters is our relationship with him. That a heart that has been moved by the love of Jesus will produce the good things that we ought to be doing. Rotten Larry didn't think he belonged in church. Did all the wrong things in life. But that day, he went home a believer. Jack, good old boy Jack, grew up in the church, knew his Bible, went home lost. Lost in his self-righteous sinfulness. Who lines up better in your heart today? Do you line up better with Jack? Or do you line up better with Larry? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this parable that Jesus told. And as easy as it is for us to to judge ourselves and judge others based upon what we do, we know that you don't judge us by what we do, what people see on the outside, but rather what you see in our hearts. And although we recognize that a right heart produces right actions, Lord, we ask that you might continue to help us to evaluate our hearts. As we go from here, as we talk with our children, talk with our family members, our neighbors, that we might not encourage them to feel good about just doing the right things, but that they might truly be able to feel right because they have a real relationship with you. Help us, Father, to see ourselves clearly, that we might honor you as you deserve. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.